and welcome back to the What the Folk Sunderland Preview Podcast. Against all expectations, Sunderland put in a cracking performance on Saturday to get back to winning ways as Michael Beale Sunderland defeated Stoke 3-1 at the Stadium Light and it was all unnervingly quite good. Um, but a win at the Riverside this weekend would do him and the team and me actually the world good as we continue to go in search of a playoff berth. Can we do it? It's been quite a while since we visited the Riverside. It's been even longer since we won there in the league. Um so I've roped in Johnny from the Borough Breakdown. It's been a while, Johnny. How are you doing? You all right? I'm really good, thank you, mate. I'm really good. I mean, by the football this year, I think, for the pair of us, um, I'm doing great. So, yeah, I mean, it was quite depressing to come on now and, and speak about football for a little bit. We could have talked about something else for just uh, another 45 minutes, if you want. We were talking about my cat shit beforehand, weren't we? So, <laughs> yeah, we my were. Cats... It was really groundbreaking stuff, you know? It was really groundbreaking. He's, uh, he laid... <laughs> Should we say he laid an egg before this podcast, which is the third shit flatulent based comment in a row on a podcast, which is a bit weird. But at least we've moved on from human ones into cat ones. Uh, I'll move on swift and fast. Uh, first and foremost, we're, we are recording this right at the start of the week. We're getting it in nice and early. So we're well away from uh, everything that's happened on deadline day, which is what will happen um, come Sunday. In terms of the last game you played, that was also a little while ago, so I feel like we should probably start with transfer deadline day, transfer windows. At the time of speaking, Morgan Rogers looks like he could quite easily be lining up for Aston Villa at the weekend. Um, I don't know a great deal about him, so I'll just ask how big of a blow would that be if he was to be out on Sunday? It's a massive blow. It, it definitely is. You know, I think he's a player who has definitely grown into his time at Millsborough, really. You know, at the start, it was... You could sense how Roy was, but it was the he was a good talent, and he was also really good at just progressing the ball, really, and, and getting Middlesbrough into good areas. And it it took him some time to get going, but I would say the last two or uh, three months he's been electric. Um, I've really really enjoyed him, and if he goes to Aston Villa, then he goes to Aston Villa. It's just one of those things we've got. We've got some. I think we're fortunate in a way that we've got some depth in that position anyway. I think bringing in his as from from Plymouth has really softened the blow of him going anywhere. And for £15 million, which is quoted, which we want what we want, if we were able to sell him for that, then, God, you've, we only bought him for a million pound in the summer. So to make like big profit on that, I know Man City get a little bit of that, but I just think it's, it's just it's just the way it is, isn't it, in, in the championship now? And the way that knows we want to operate has become more sustainable. And again, it's... It, it's it's a blow, but do we have options? Yeah, and, and hopefully, fingers crossed. You know, if we if we do sell him in in a couple of days' time, which is probably going to be the case, we bring someone else in, probably hopefully a forward to help us fire us up to the the, the playoff places. Looking at Rogers himself, obviously, you never want to lose a good player, and I think we obviously have that with Jack Clark and. Mm. Without saying I haven't really seen Rogers as much, but I think it would be fair to say based on stats, Clark would probably be the bigger loss out of the two teams at the moment. You have this figure in your head though where you think if look if Clark goes, I want yeah. X, Y, and Z, even though it's not actually my money and it's completely pointless. And I don't know why we have valuations yeah. in our head. But for me, like anything less than twenty million on Clark would be not not quite the right deal for me mm-hmm. based on the sell-ons and stuff. Rogers has that sell on as well. Is fifteen million about right with the borough fan base? Whether you'd be more than happy with that? I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. You know, he's he's only been really good for the last two or three months, really. You know, it's only it's only now that we're starting to see a player who is 
has got that potential to to pr- probably play at the top level. And I think I think with Clark as well, and I agree with you, it would be a bigger loss because I think Borough are fortunate that we have the options there, but also it feels like there's more reliance on Clark to do something now in, in Sunderland than there ever has been. I think when you're under Mowbray, it was based on can we create space in the wider areas, give the Clark opportunity to do some magic. Um, but now it just seems very controlled and I would say I don't I don't, I don't know people else, but I would say Michael Beale's turned something into a very boring Sunderland, um, which is not particularly great. But in terms of the, the fee for, for Morgan Rogers, I would say fifteen million pounds is is more than what I was I thought we were gonna get, especially right now. You know, like he's only been here for six months. And to take it from one to fifteen, you, it's unreal, isn't it? It's unreal. It's what you dream of. Um and if you can reinvest it. Um and hopefully we can. If we can't, then it'll probably be in the summer. We're here to preview Borough, but that, that's all, one thing that always drives me mad. You've had Morgan Rogers for six months. He's gone for 15. Alex Scott went for 25. And Burnley came in at 8 million for Jack Clark in the summer. <laughs> Boils my head. Um, but in terms of like players you brought in, yeah, you have been fairly active. Look, you always want your team to be mm. more active because we all like play football manager. But um, Finnezaz came in from, I think, technically Aston Villa, but I think he obviously unknown from, yeah. from Plymouth. That's where people know him from. Scored all those. Really good goals, scored against us this season, a good goal as well. Luke Aylins came on loan after 150 years at Leeds. Um, and then Luke Thomas's came in, who we were yeah. linked to as well. Um, first and foremost, thoughts on the signings. And then second question, do you need to add more before Sunday? Signing so far, I'm happy with Finazaz. I was happy with Aylin. Um And I think Luke Thomas's came in as more of a cover signing, I think. You know, with Bangura being out now probably towards the end of the season. The Finnis as one is was was a really good fee. You know, again for just under two million pounds. What he's done already this year has been really good. Um he's really creative and he just adds and I think you can never have enough creativity in different players who can create um different uh opportunities for your strikers and for Luke Allen to come in as well, we needed a more solid right back. Dyke Seal kept getting injured. Smith's out for the season as well. So the two signings and the fullbacks that we brought in have barely been more cover than anything. Um, but for me, Luke Allen's been was a smart bit of business. You know, he, he just looks really solid. I'm interested to see how he, he copes with, with Jack Clark at the weekend. Um, based on how he's currently playing at the moment, I'm not too sure. But it's the yeah, I'm happy with him. But then Luke Thomas. He's been in two, I would say, two relegated sides, really, if you think Leicester and where Sheffield United are. You know, he's not really had the rub of the green, and I think it's really difficult to look at him and go, okay, that's his strength. He's going to do this really well. I found it really difficult when we were doing our lowdowns to say, has he been the real Luke Thomas over the last couple of years? And I'm not too sure. So um, that could be, it's a bit of a... Anomaly signing. I'm not. I just don't know. Um, but in terms of any more business, I think it just depends on Rogers going. To be honest, I think if, if Rogers goes 15 million pound, I'm pretty sure Borough. If this has been going on for two or three weeks now, Borough have probably got some sort of replacement lined up. And if we don't, then we've still hope, we've still got options there. You know, we've still got McGree to come back. Still got Silvera to come back. I think Jones is injured now, but he'll come back eventually. Um. So yeah. Um. I think if we were to bring any more bodies in, I think we would just try and bring in a centre forward, to be honest. In terms of last game, it's going to be a while since you played your last game when we go head-to-head on, on Sunday, because mm. obviously you <clears throat> were knocked out of the FA Cup, um, I believe, 
Um, and the team that went yeah. through the FA Cup, obviously, I think it was Birmingham. You were meant to play there, well, obviously, uh, in the Cup. So that game got called off whilst us and Slug were able to play against each other. So I don't really know how much I can take from your last game, but you're going to be going into the game on the back of that 6-1 defeat at Chelsea in the League Cup semi-final. Yeah. Um, we aren't Chelsea, let's be honest. Um, and I think I watched both legs. And I said on Twitter, I, I kind of felt bad. And there'll be a lot of Sunderland fans turning the hair out here saying, what are you on about? But some of us, I genuinely felt quite bad. I was like, well, that's kind of killed the game. <laughs> so early doors. Um, but getting to a semi-final, look, I know the run was easier. I know that. Um, yeah. But a semi-final's a semi-final. And I watched the first leg. You've had a few days to sit down, mull over both legs. The first one, obviously, really positive. The second one, obviously not. Um yeah. How is the fan base in the aftermath of that? Because even though it was maybe expected you'd lose against Chelsea, it was a pretty grim second leg, yet a great first leg and showed you what maybe you think Middlesbrough can be moving forward. And sometimes it can feel like a huge high followed by a massive low. Is it good that the fan base has had this gap in time to process yeah. it a bit? I would say so, yeah. And I would also say that like, I, 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 did, I didn't expect us to go through to be honest, when we went to the final, I think to get to a final, I didn't expect it. Like, and to go two 0 down at twenty minutes, you psychologically, I just thought we left. Do you know what I mean? We left the stadium, and it was like, oh well, it's two 0 now. We're not going to get back into it. We don't have a centre forward on the bench, um, who was like fit enough to come on. You know, we got bloody lot of injuries as well. Like, I think it was like twelve injuries at the time, and it was just like, well going to fall apart here and then when you don't have anything going forward like a centre forward it's just going to come back if you hit it long so then you're only forced to play out the box um, and we got caught and you know I could show you a hundred videos of Bora playing out from the back well um, under Carrick and um, it just fell apart really against Chelsea and it is what it is isn't it like you, you, now it is like, it's a very Tony Mowbray saying that isn't it but it's just like um, we we didn't expect to go through we didn't go through and I get the, the national press sometimes where they're going, oh, I don't know why they didn't try and chop and change it. Well, we probably couldn't when you look at the options we had. And, you know, it was just a difficult defeat. But I think the fan base have took it all right, to be honest. Like, it was a bit grim, you know, like, getting beat 6-1. But let's not forget, like, these Premier League teams now, Chelsea spent a billion pounds over these last two years. Like, we've, we've only spent, like, I think that squad that we had was only, like, 20 million or something. So it was just like, well... Yeah, that's that's the gulf and quality we have now in the, in these in, in between the Premier League and the Championship. So I think it was realistic, to be honest. I think a realistic expectation we lose, and yeah, it was pretty grim. Like there's no one likes to lose six one, to be honest. To the, uh, so, no. uh, yeah, it was just the. Uh, I know I felt for Dana. Look, she 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 did the trip to to Stamford Bridge, and obviously she wasn't particularly happy on the way home. But I was uh, quite cushy, uh, just being at home because I had the chance to go. And the trains got cancelled. I was in Manchester on the day and I was going to go to London and got cancelled. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to go back to Tayside. And thank God I went back to Tayside because that would have been grim, uh, to be honest. I think you, you're right in what you're saying about the Premier League games. And that's why the Premier League teams, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's hard to kind of judge from it. It's probably more important to see how the fan base has reacted to it because it really mm. it pains me to say because we both hate them. But obviously, you look at Newcastle side and the money they've spent. And like mm. it did scare me a little bit when I watched their quality against us, and then you and and the the, the gap between Premier League and top end Championship. Mm. Um, and then I watched your game against Chelsea at home, and I was like, oh, why couldn't we have more of a goal like that? And I got annoyed. Then the yeah. second leg came around, I went, all right, that's yeah, okay. Um, and and both those sides we've mentioned there from a Premier League perspective aren't exactly like 
they're not in relegation trouble, but not tearing up the carpet at the yeah. mid table at the minute, aren't they? So it's that does that gap scare you a bit, considering we're both going for a promotion? Because it did it did me, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, it definitely scares me. I think to some extent because like how quickly those teams can can turn it on, like just like that. And I think in just in just a moment, and you go right, okay, well we've got a lot of good recruitment to do here. And who are the anomalies that go up and stay up? Uh, like you probably look at your Brentford, who have just who have just done recruitment so well over the last few years, and that was a four, five, six year process to get them to where they were. You know, you're looking at teams that like Nottingham Forest, who spent hundreds of millions of pounds, probably went past financial fair play to stay in the division. Everton have done the same. You know, Sheffield United um, have really struggled. Fulham, you know, they do have a billionaire owner in charge, and unfortunately now, like I think teams so like say Alex London and Millsborough, now, they've just got a millionaire in charge in a billionaire's game in, in the Premier League, you know, in the, in the, in the championship, it's great because everyone's on a similar playing field by obviously looking at Southampton and Leicester, but I would say well, Ipswich, have uh, still got 10 billion pound owner as well. Um, but I would say it's a real level playing field, but since the gap is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, it just, it just does scare you. Like how easy has it been for, for Leicester just to, to keep most of the squad this year stay up and haven't been great, let's be honest. They haven't, they haven't blew everyone away, but they've just managed to get results because of, of quality. And I would say with Southampton, it's took them a little bit of time, but they've got a lot better in getting up there. And I think just naturally that talent alone, the wages that can that can pay out, it's a bit sick. Like, but Middlesbrough were that team of like in the nineties. You know, we paid hundreds of thousands for Ravinelli and Janino, Emerson. We we did all that and. <laughs> You can't do it now, to be honest. Like, what we were paying Ravinelli in that in the nineties is just nothing now. It's nothing. It's like, well, he's on like seventy. I think it's like sixty grand a week or something. Six hundred great in the nineties. Look at it. Look at now. It's nothing. You know, your standard Premier League player get that. So it does scare me, to be honest, Graham. Like, if we go up, it's great for that one year. But how it it gets pretty depressing fairly quickly, um, and that's that's unfortunately the division unless the Championship and the League Ones need to just get more of the pie. Unfortunately. Never gonna happen. Never. No, um, no. I looked at that Chelsea game and I thought, right, I can't really take anything from that. So I'll ask about the fan base and I thought, but I'll always be able to tell something from the league form. I can't. Um, <laughs> so you're not really that hard to gauge. So there's two parts to this huh. and you'll be able to tell me the answer to this. But your last five games, two wins, two defeats and a draw. Um, the <laughs> definition of patchy, I think. Um, <laughs> a, how's the recent form been? And because of the, eu- the euphoria that goes with a cup run, has mm. that affected the league form a little bit? Has that got any reason to towards it being patchy? Yeah, I would, I would say the, the cup run helped us, to be honest, in the early stages because at the early point we were we were really like struggling because you know brought in a lot of players, changed the system a little bit, and it just didn't really work. Um, the cup run kind of helped us find form in the league, which is always a benefit, right? And We've been inconsistent this year because we've had in, inconsistent teams. I, I would probably find like I think it was a high point. It was fifteen injuries at one point, and it's still double figures who have like who are out and injured. And it's difficult. It's really difficult because you can never get your best eleven out. And I think that's just reflected in how we've played because there's always if one person comes back and another one gets injured. And I've just never seen a full strength Borough squad yet. I think this year, and it's been difficult. And I think that's kind of helped with the inconsistencies because sometimes we can be brilliant and then sometimes we can be dire. And, and then that's just natural with how we've been playing. But 
you can still see how we're trying to play. Everyone's bought in. Everyone can fill in and, and, and play the way that Carrick wants to play. But it's just been... I think the injuries have just killed our season, to be honest. And it's a bit of a cop-out answer. But when you've got squad players in, the squad players for a reason because they can't always show it every single week, whereas the starting eleven can do it more than them, I'd probably say. And that's just hinders and... Away from home, we've been fine. It's it's our home form that is we've struggled a little bit, which is strange because we were so good at home last year. Um, but there's just teams that have came, they've they've parked the bus, we've not been able to break them down, we've not had a striker on the pitch, we've not had players who've helped like you know break, break the, the deadlock, and it's just been difficult. We've had really key players injured, and it's it's took its toll, I guess, but <laughs> I don't know how it's going to take. I don't know what it's going to be like on 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 Sunday. To be honest, I'm. You could get a really good Middlesbrough side, or you can get a really shit one. Um. So, and sometimes it's in the same game. You'd be really awful the first half, and then the second half will just turn it on, and it'd be like, what are we doing? But I'm just like perplexed as you have to be honest, Graham. Um. It's probably not what your listeners want to hear, but it's it's be, like speak. It's like having a bipolar football team. To be honest, um. You just you know it's the ups and downs. It's insane. You can it like I look to like even further back and like if you if anyone wants to look at Borough's form, it's just a like it's just games of football that are occasionally won loan and drossed. There's no like big <laughs> runner wins apart from like one little bit. There's no really big runner defeats apart from near the start. Most of it since pretty much since we last played each other, it's like win, draw, 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 win, lose. Lo- mm. Lose, lose, win, draw. And I'm like, you can't really make much from that. And and as I always am, full of statistical analysis. Um, I looked on Google for my stats, and I see that there's one player who scored two goals in two games. Um, so that's as far as my statistical analysis will go. But uh, Marcus Force, I think I'm pronouncing that right, yes. two and two league games. Um, he obviously stands out because his name's on the score sheet. But who are the, the ones currently standing out for Bora? Who should we be potentially concerned with? Yeah, I'm so glad Marcus has came back because... Just as Lattie Laugh and Corbin got injured, Force just reappeared after after four months out. And he's a centre forward that's been playing on the right quite a lot. And he's definitely a player that I want probably some of the fans to look out for, really direct, good striker. Um probably it was when we when we did a preview on on Marcus when he first signed, um Billy from B Solid said he was he was regarded as the best finisher at Brentford. And which is great, and you can see it really because in the box he, he always does find the back of the net, and it's it's really good for him to have. But we just tend to play him on the right, which is interesting. But naturally, I would say there's there's probably two players that I want you to look out for here in Hackney. I think naturally he lets he lets Millsborough tick. You know, he's he, everything will play through him, and I'll probably say a centre back as well, which is an interesting one. But Rav Vandenberg, like he's just came from absolutely nowhere. Um, came from Zwolle in in the in the summer. Um, highly regarded, eighteen year old. And he's just been so, so good. Um, like really consistent, hasn't put much of a foot wrong. And he's just playing a lot above his years, really. And it's just nice to nice to have a defender like that come in. And you can kind of see like the the price tag in your eyes. Do you know what I mean? You go, oh, I could probably sell him on for something here. And that's what poor fans have kind of got too like they're saying, oh well, they could probably sell Hackney in the summer, which I think he's de- he's definitely gonna go. Um, you know, you get 15 million for Rogers, you probably get a fairly decent back for Rav Vandenberg in, in the next year or so. So it's kind of where we're at. Um, but I would say that they're probably the three players you'd I'd want to look out for because 
the injuries again, it's just it's just difficult. So I couldn't tell you who's going to start up front. Rogers won't be about. Will we play Greenwood up top? Maybe. Um, it's a difficult one. It really is a difficult one uh, for, for Sunday. It just if we can bring in a striker before, then that'd be brilliant. But uh, I would say, yeah, the three players: Marcus Force, um, Hayden Hackney, and Rav Vandenberg are probably the players to watch. Which is quite nice because it's like one player in you know attack, midfield, and, and defense. Oh, it's just Jack Clark. Um, <laughs> in terms of Carrick himself, he's been in charge for sort of 15 months, which is like a long time in the championship, truth be told. Yeah. Um, but it's also a solid amount of time to probably make a judgment. Uh, you're mm. in 11th, three points outside the playoffs. If you say the three points outside the playoffs, it sounds better than the 11th, but we know what the championship's like. It's tight. Um, I think it's probably away from where he's wanted to be. But I think you know fans can often get on board when they see level of progression and they can see that you know things are getting better. There's a plan. I do get the feeling that that's how Borough fans feel under Carrick. But I do want to ask, and I know you can only speak for yourself, but how are mm. Borough fans and, and yourself looking at Carrick in the first fifteen months? Is yeah. it seems like the right guy? Is it the right appointment for for you? Oh yeah, definitely. Like Graham, like I think he he had definitely has been the the right appointment for us at the right time. And I can just John, you can just see what a manager wants to do. Everyone buys in. Yeah, ha- and last year we were really good in that that back end of the season, and it was it was just so fun to watch. And you know, we we started the season off slow, rightly so, and and it has been inconsistent, but it's been out of his hands. I'd say more so this year than it, than it has been probably in the previous year. And where the previous year we were really consistent in terms of like team 11. And I would say everyone is still really happy with him. There's always a, like a, a good two or three percent that will be like, oh, well, he should go and get Jose and Osmond. And you know, why we spend 30 million on a Brazilian Osmond? Like, there's always that, isn't there? Um, but I would say a good majority of the fans really like Carrick. You know, if if we could have him for another year, then I'd be so happy with that, with that because. I could still, again, I could see him going up to the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? I think we're, we've got players that, and, and, and manager and coach and staff that are probably could make the jump. But do we have enough of it around the whole place? Probably not. Um, you'd hang, you'd be hanging your hat on like four or five key assets to, to really go up and, and, and keep them, and then build another six players into that. But uh, for me, for Carrick, yeah, like, I absolutely love him, Graham. I, I really, really do. Like, you, we could get beat at, at the weekends, and I'd still love his football, still love what he's about. You know, he's got a really good coaching team in there with Danksy and, and Woodgate as well. So it's it just seems fairly settled, and I want it to keep settled for an, another year. Um, and whether he wants to make the jump after that, then then so be it. Interesting you say that because Sunderland fans are probably going to like bang the head off a wall here because we had a good performance, and I don't want to be. Negative, but obviously the the Beal situation hasn't been great. But when you spoke about um, even when we get beat there, I feel relatively positive about the way we play. Is kind of how I felt under Tony Mowbray up until maybe the end when I went, hang on, maybe we need an ambitious change yeah. to go like maybe a, a foreign manager that will like get all the, the younger foreign boys together and get them flourishing and give us like a bit more of a backbone. Um, and Beal came in, and I think naturally, I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I believe in that as yet, and hopefully, you know good result on Sunday and, and I start believing a bit but I certainly don't feel the way I did under Tony Mowbray and I wanted to ask you about Mowbray because obviously he's someone that we both really like I think mm-hmm. in both quarters especially Middlesbrough he's loved there as a player he was liked as a manager he did a really good job at Sunderland um, 
I'm not going to be revisionist and say that I didn't want him to go when he did, but I was still kind of shocked that he did go when he did. Um, but I'll remember him very, very fondly. From the outside looking in, it, it seemed like a lot of people went, oh, I kind of understand that, but other people went, oh my God, that's like horrendous. You're a little bit closer to the situation because we're closer in terms of location mm-hmm. and Tony Mowbray means something to your fan base. What did you make of A, or sacking Tony Mowbray and then B, yeah. the appointment of Michael Beale and C, the kind of fallout prior to maybe Saturday's win that came from, from that mm-hmm. appointment? On the sacking, I was, I was actually a little bit surprised to be honest, because, you know, recruitment, recruitment wise, I still think Sunderland lacked a little bit after that when this when the window shut in in August, I thought Sunderland could really do with a, a I'd say a centre forward because you haven't really played one, could do with a decent centre forward and just maybe one or two more to to try and get you up to where you want to be and. With someone that I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm in the camp of the squad's too young, and you need a bit more to really solidify yourself in a playoff place. Because with young players, it's so up and down, and a manager who gets the best out of young players is is probably Tony Mowbray. We've had it, you've seen it at different clubs, and it made sense for him to be there. And you could sense that he was building something, but with Mowbray, you get that inconsistency as well because. He has a really good first half of the season and a shit second half, and it's never a consistent all the way through. And I was a little bit surprised, but if you were to sack Mowbray, you need to bring in someone who get one gets the fans on board, but two can excite people and, and have a, a real like you, you got to or just have a manager who's ready to go. Do you know what I mean? Like I felt like you you still had that whole interview process. It was a bit of like a naive decision at the point, but. Yeah, I was a bit surprised. Um, and then the Beal appointment, he did okay at QPR he, and went jump ship. You know, Rangers is regarded as one of the, he had a high success in terms of win rate, but didn't really used to have much to show for it. I think I could have a high win percent rate in, in Scotland um, as a manager. And he's just, he's came in and, and I don't get you wrong, but like I said it a bit earlier, but he's made something really boring. And some of them weren't boring under Mowbray. They were a fun team to watch. And for a builder fan to say that, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit much. But I watched the game against Hull and I was like, wow, this is shit. Um, and you probably deserve to lose the game. And you deserve to lose a game against a side that didn't create anything. Um, because it was just like it just didn't create much. And I feel for some of the fans to some extent, because when you go from something which gets the best out of your strengths is great and you can create chances and you've created plenty of them. But now you're not creating much at all and that's where I'd be worried. Um, but, you know, st- statistics can show like a lot of things where you can have dips and players again are in that little learning phase at the moment and trying to understand Bale and, and it might come good. You never know, it might, it might come good. But I think the way that it currently is right now, I can't see Bale lasting until after the end of the season unless he pulls something out the bag over the next few weeks because I think it's a bit frustrating I, I just don't see it personally I, I, don't, I don't think some of the fans will allow it um, but it's not just the manager they've got wrong at the moment Sunderland. they've got little things wrong like stupid things wrong like the Newcastle that whole Newcastle thing it just seems that like that there's like a, there's like something disconnected again where after probably last year it felt very like 
like knitted. Morbo brings that together. And then you go on higher Beal when most of the fans I would say were fairly happy with Morbury. I might be wrong. Like good to say fifty five percent maybe, you know. Um and yeah, they're just doing stupid shit on and off the pitch at the moment and it kind of shows on the pitch eventually. So um but yeah, I'm a bit disappointed and surprised, but yeah, I just think the Beal appointment's a bit of a yeah, appointment to be honest. Yeah, I said um Saturday was really good. And obviously I'll be on your show later on and I, I will give lots of credit for that because he was part of that performance. Yeah. It needs to be more of that on a regular basis, a much more regular basis, hopefully starting on Sunday. Um, I've got a couple of other ones before we go into predictions, you know, standard. Um, I felt it was a really odd game between us at the stadium light and I can't quite put my finger on whether the 10 men just destroyed a second half or we were just really bad second half as well and you took full mm-hmm. advantage. So I wrote down what I thought. I thought it was even for the first 45. Then we go down to 10 mm-hmm. men, which I think was mental, but the referees tip of the iceberg this year mm-hmm. um, across the board for every club. We haven't won since September 20, no, 2005 in the league at Riverside. <laughs> Although there was that FA Cup in about 12 years ago. Um, based on that game earlier in the year when, to be honest, you took full advantage of us being down yeah. 10 men, I would have liked to see us put up a bit more of a fight at that point. And the record that we have at Middlesbrough, how confident are you going into that game on um, Sunday? Because it feels that like you have a little bit of an edge on us. I, I would say quietly confident, I think would probably be the word I'd, I'd say. Uh, it's words I'd, I'd describe it. The first game, I think game state matters, you know, What's the game like if you keep 11 players on the pitch? But I think the second half was awful from Sunderland. Like, I, I think you 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 give the you you give the game away. That was probably how I took of it. We we took full advantage of it, and I, I would say it was probably on your players. To be honest, like they just give up. It was really poor from them. Um, and for us. Quietly confident, I think we just got injuries. To be honest, Graham, it's just so many injuries, not a striker and Lewis Rogers. It's just like I, I just don't know. I think we're playing someone at a good time, and you're playing us at a good time. So it, it just screams a one-all draw now, doesn't it? Just one-all draw. Um, but yeah, quietly confident. I think hopefully my record at Borough's fifty percent. I think been twice when we've won. Weirdly, in, in that fifteen-point season when we won two 0 and Tommy Miller scored before he even mm. sat down. Um, Julio gets a second and then the FA Cup game and I had a 100% win record at a point and the last few times I've been we've, we've lost but it has been a while since I think we've even got anything from Borough to be honest but um, I feel like this is a question I guess asked a lot and I've purposely avoided it because I think it's very subjective is it a derby is it not a derby there's a lad in our pod who lives near Middlesbrough and he works with Borough fans so to him it's a big one because he gets yes. it a bit more in the neck if we get beat for me, I don't mind Borough. I'm not bothered. Um, I work for mm. Borough. I think people know that. I work for Borough for a bit on the, the women's team. I actually don't mind them at all. Um, so for me, it's not. But I like to win games of football. But instead of asking you, is it a derby? Is it not a derby? I wanted to ask it something a little different. And you can only answer for yourself on this one. But what does beating Sunderland mean to you? Maybe in comparison to beating the other team from up there or, or winning other games, is it more meaningful meaningful for you? Because I know it was for, for Dana, but I know everyone's different with stuff like that. Yeah, 
Um, it's definitely. I think it's just it's nice when you win against something. I think, and it's it's the same. I think for you as well. Like it's nice to beat us. You know what I mean? It's just like because it's it's location, it's rivalry. Like there is a bit of spice to the game, isn't there? There's naturally a bit of spice. Like and uh, yeah, like if you win, you when you win the games with a bit of spice in them, you you tend to enjoy them a lot more, right? So for me, yeah, like I'm I'm happy if I'm happy if we win. If we get beat, I'm, I'm like meh. It's okay, we've lost. It's gonna be unbearable on on Twitter and YouTube for the next twenty four hours. But it just is what it is, isn't it? And. Uh, I would say though I'm not up and down about football anyway in general now. I'm I'm very much just to game of football and I, I go on I, I probably go more for different reasons now than just the game. So um yeah, so I would say it, it it's just it's yeah, it's it's just a bit nicer, I think, when it happens because it's just the what the game is, I guess. I like going to the riverside. I'm going on Sunday and I went last year, and I like going because I feel like when you're at the game it feels more of a derby. If yeah, that makes the atmosphere sense. is great. Yeah, the atmosphere is really good, isn't it? Yeah. For, for both the games, yeah. I think it's a good atmosphere when you're in the game, but it's like when I left, like for example, like came out the the game against that lot a few weeks ago, didn't really speak for a couple of hours, just kind of put my head down and just listened to music on the coach back. Um, got beat off Borough and I was like, within 20 minutes, I was like, ah, blooming hell. What, that, yeah. I was more annoyed about the referee decision, but if we'd won, like when we won last year, when Ross scored and, and Ahmad scored, that felt really funny because obviously it yeah. would knock use and it's a little bit of a like poke in the eye. It's, it's relatively funny. So I don't know. It's maybe got a bit more than Leicester away, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely better when you're at the game. That said, I'm not confident about Sunday, which is a recurring theme. Got about two minutes left here before I'm popping on yours. Um, I'll take us for a draw. We'll, we'll do something yeah. at the Riverside, so I'll say one-one. Yeah, I'll go one-one as well, Graham. We'll, we'll, we'll try and we'll, we'll shake hands on the one-one and, and, and call it a day. I think for that one, shake hands, share a pint, say goodbye to each other. See you next year, <laughs> yeah. Johnny. As always, mate, uh, pleasure. I'll pop all the, the links to yours below if anyone wants to watch me chatting about something that can. And um, but where can they find you on the socials and stuff like that? Uh, just the Boron Scott breakdown uh, on Twitter, and just search for the Boron Breakdown podcast uh, everywhere. Really, and you'll find us. Uh, we just we just spawn um, on your search engines, on your podcast provider, you, you on YouTube. Just yeah, to search for that, and you'll and you'll find us. Sure, we will. I'll listen to it if we win. Um, right, <laughs> yeah. spot on, Johnny. Good to catch up as always, mate. See you in a second on your show when we have another half an hour chat about the game. <laughs> yes, yeah, see you soon, Graham. Cheers. <laughs>